Welcome to the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. To learn more about Salem Alliance, including gathering times and other resources, visit us online at salemalliance.org. Today's talk is given by Rob Basham. Welcome again to those of you joining us on live stream who are watching this a little bit later on this Sunday when all the World Cup games are finished. Well done. That's okay. How many of you have been watching the World Cup? Anybody into it? A couple people? Yeah, we're in America. You hear that? Hear all that cheering? No, not a, not a lot. Anybody wake up yesterday early and watch America? Yeah? Yeah, yeah. All right, we're done. Uh, right? So... World Cup is a fascinating thing. In uh, Qatar, I was living in the Middle East when Qatar got the bid to actually host the World Cup. And everybody in the Middle East was like, are you kidding me? How did they get this bid? This is this country of less than 2 million people. The World Cup's a big deal. And we all knew it was probably corruption and some politics behind it. But we were still like, wow, the the bid came to Qatar. But it it kept, it kicked off this decade-long preparation to hold this event. And I don't know how much you've been following along, but I mean, they had to build eight massive stadiums. I'll put some pictures up that'll scroll of some of the the stadiums that they had to build. Over $7 billion worth of stadiums alone, let alone all the infrastructure that they had to put in. They had to put in public transportation, roads, hotels to host 3 million fans that would be coming in 10 years, along with all the teams. I mean, this was such a big project. and was such a big project. There was no way that this project could fail. Like, they had to make sure that this thing happened. How they got there is probably worth another sermon on the tragedy of a lot of human rights violations and different things that maybe you have read about. But the fact is that when failure is not an option, you have to bring all the resources there. There was no margin for error. There was no, like, this can't be done. In fact, two years out, there was a lot of questions. Do we have to delay the World Cup? Is Qatar going to be able to pull it off and be ready? A year out, there was question of whether or not they would be ready. Months out, there was question about whether or not they would be ready to host. But the bottom line is that it was too big of an event, on too grand of a stage to fail. And so all the resources were released. All hands were brought on deck because the whole world would and is watching. It's kind of similar to the grand preparations that happen around the nativity story. You see, the Son of God was coming to earth God was going to take on flesh, and it had to happen. We're trying to pull back the curtain a little bit in this sermon series and look behind the scenes, but could you just imagine in the heavenly realms, the Trinity gathering together, talking about the preparations that would need to be made for God to become man, for how the angels would need to be part of this redemption plan. I mean, what was happening was an invasion, an invasion into earth, uniting heaven and earth again. And God would take on flesh, but he would not come as a king. He would not come with an army. He would come as a helpless infant born to the Virgin Mary. Therefore, we know it was a cosmic battle. For if we look at Revelation 12, we see this story of the woman and the dragon and this woman with the the moon as her feet and the sun shining and she's wearing these 12 crowns and this is powerful picture and she's crying out in pains, labor pains as she's getting ready to give birth. 
to the Christ child. And we see this depiction of this red dragon that comes wearing, wearing seven crowns that wipes a third of the stars out of the sky. This picture of the enemy, of Satan, ready to devour the child upon its birth. And yet we see the child is swept into heaven to sit on a throne next to God. It's a peeling back of the curtain and giving us a picture of the tremendous, the intensity of this, just what is happening here in the Christmas nativity story, this collision, this heaven and earth story. This is why we see a barrage of transcendence as we read through the gospels, primarily in the, in the just angels. We see more angels in this section of scripture than, than anywhere else. These angels are coming, and they're coming because they need to bring comfort and assurance. They are the guarantee of protection. They're releasing the wonder into this event, making sure that it will happen as was planned. The whole heavenly realms, it's all hands on deck. You see, this is too big of an event to fail. On too grand of a stage, the redemption of the whole world is at stake. And here we see that God is sovereign. God is sovereign. He is in control. And his plan for history, it will never be thwarted. And we see that when God really wants to make sure that something is clear, that a message is understood, or it wants the insurance that something will happen, he often dispatches his angels it's true again in the passage that we'll look at today. It was true last week as Jennifer walked us through Gabriel's visit to Zechariah. Today we'll be looking at Gabriel's visit to Mary in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. But again, we see the transcendent. We see the presence of angels in the story. Jennifer reminded us last week, and it was such a good sermon, that the transcendent often releases humility and hope within us. And I may that be true for you this Advent season. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation, Luke chapter 1, starting in 26. As I sometimes do, I will put some art up on the screen that you can go ahead and take a look at. I honestly believe this is such an intense and beautiful pas uh, passage that sometimes words just don't capture it, which I think is why so many artists have painted and sculpted and done mosaics to depict this powerful Annunciation story. Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David." And he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say that she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. 
for nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. This is the word of the Lord. There is so much going on in this passage. Luke beautifully unites this passage and shows the parallel between this passage and the passage we looked at last week with Zechariah and the coming of John the Baptist. He begins to unite these two parallel stories as John the Baptist will prepare the way for Jesus. I love in this passage as well how it's one of the few places in Scripture where we catch a glimpse of all members of the Trinity together. There in verse 35, it's one of those places. Within this single verse, we see the presence of Father God here referred to as most high. We see Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and we see the overshadowing presence. We see the power of Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that brought light and life out of the darkness in Genesis 1 here is creating life in the womb of Mary. It takes us back to the creation, but it also foreshadows to the future because the similar language that describes what Holy Spirit does in the womb of Mary is similar language that we see in Acts 1.8 when we see that all power, all Holy Spirit power will come upon in the Great Commission as people are sent out. It's similar language to what we see at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit falls. And of course, this powerful passage, the Annunciation is announcing the redemption story that we celebrate here at Christmas, the truth that the Son of God will become human, Emmanuel will come so that humans might become children of God. Friends, that is the gospel, that is the good news, and it starts here. But today what I want to do is I want to focus on some just practical theology and some, some of the authentic truths that I see in this passage you see, the Annunciation carries with it both an opportunity to rejoice and also an openness, an authentic openness to questions and uncertainties that life brings our way. It's a reminder that we receive it all as part of our story. It's an invitation to embrace the chaos and the beauty that is our lives. Many of you enter today with uncertainties in life. Many of you have experienced disruptions in the past couple of weeks. As I've talked with people before the services, it's pretty unbelievable. Generally, when I, how are you doing, I get the fine. This weekend, I've been getting a lot of, it's been a rough week. Church family, if that is where you are, I believe this message is for you. Theologian out of Oxford, Dr. Jared Mercer, speaking of this passage, says this, Gabriel's message to Mary is a story infused with doubt and belief, joy and sorrow, fear and comfort. It's a story sharing space with both devastation and hope. And it means it is a story for all of us, whoever we are and wherever we are in life. Devastation and hope coexisting. Friends, that's generally what the Advent season throws our way. Happy Christmas. But this is why this is such a powerful story. Here is Mary, this simple young bride in, in this little village of Nazareth, such a small, irrelevant village that even Luke has to put a descriptor. It's in Galilee. Nazareth in Galilee. He has to throw the regional descriptor in there. And here is this Mary born into this culture that is a collective culture, that is a shame and honor culture where you do not want to stand out, where you don't want to bring any words about your family, nothing but respect. And into that, 
comes a virgin birth. To say that it was a disruption would be an understatement. This is a threat. This is a threat to her and everything that she has ever hoped for. And in this season of Advent, in this season of joy and wonder, if we are honest, many of us are on a journey where we're trying to embrace the wonder and the joy of this season, but we're also caught up in disruptions, in fear, struggling with anxiety. I don't know what your last two weeks have looked like. I know mine have brought a lot of uncertainty, a lot of disruptions, awaiting for a test result of someone that I love dearly to come back. For me, uh, something happened. I was playing just a casual game of basketball about 10 days ago and just blew out my knee. Horrible. Right before Thanksgiving, torn meniscus and MCL. That was a disruption. That made cutting down a Christmas tree, as is our family tradition, a little bit different this year as I limped and hobbled along with a brace and tried to keep up with the family. As I wrote this story, that was my major disruption, but I got to pause because something crazy happened to me on Thursday. We're a church that believes in healing, and though I'm still limping a little bit, I was in pain on Thursday. It was a rough day. And I was actually on hold with the elevator music playing to set up a a consultant, like, surgery consultation. When I got a knock on my door and five RTI students walked in and said, hey, we're on break, but we felt compelled to come pray for your healing, for your knee. I said, come on in. But I'm going to leave the phone on hold because I really need to talk to the surgeon. (laughs) And so they anoint me with oil, and they're praying for me while the elevator music is playing. And it says, please be patient to your next, you know. And all of a sudden, I began to feel swelling dissipate out of my knee. Like, I was so swollen, I would not be able to wear this pair of pants. And the swelling just left. So I hung up the phone, and I confessed some unbelief. And I asked them, would you keep praying? And I got up, and all of a sudden, I was able to walk without a limp. And while I'm not fully healed at this point, man, something miraculous happened. I'm going up and down stairs. I'm not limping too bad. I'm putting my own shoes on, no problem. It's a good day. We can celebrate that. And at the same time, I'm I'm in a wrestling match with God the Father because I'm like, you did something miraculous, but seriously, why not all the way? (laughs) I'm serious, though. Like, really? Why didn't we finish this one? But undoubtedly, many of you, too, are dealing with some interruptions. You're dealing with some areas of uncertainty in your lives. For some of you, they might have been small inconveniences over the last two weeks. Like, what do I do with my kids when Salem-Kaiser cancels school when there's, like, this much ice on the ground last Friday? For some of you, you've dealt with some cars that haven't been able to start, or for others, it's more life-altering circumstances like unexpected pregnancies. Maybe there's been a miscarriage, a surprising diagnosis, a transfer at work. Maybe you were laid off. Maybe there was a word that was said at the Thanksgiving dinner table that brought a family disagreement to a whole other level, and you're not even sure who's showing up for Christmas. I'm not sure what you're going through, but in this season of wonder, many of you have questions and you have uncertainties, and the annunciation reminds us that this is normal, that those things coexist, and that we are to bring to God our questions. That's what Mary does. She's humble and honest before her God. She's humble about her uncertainties, her doubt, and it leads her to asking questions, and this is our invitation as well to wrestle, because here we see the response that our gracious Father has. He blesses her with a response of security and comfort. 
This is what Gabriel is offering Mary, words of comfort and security. It's his invitation as she ponders this willingness to accept the disruption that is coming her way. She gets there. She gets there and realizes she doesn't accept it in just kind of like, I give up. It's not a fatalistic resignation type acceptance of the challenge that has been laid, the calling that has been laid before her. No. Mary's words, let it be to me according to your word. Those are words spoken with eyes open trust. The NLT tells us she was confused and disturbed, but comfort comes in the words of favor. Comfort comes with a a word that says you're not alone, Mary. In fact, your relative Elizabeth, she is pregnant in her old age. You will have community, someone else that was visited by a transcendent God that experienced a miraculous conception you can journey with. You are not alone. He blesses her with comfort through community. And he blesses her by saying the words favor twice. Because favor, when we are in the favor of the Lord, it means that we have been seen, that we are called to a specific mission by the Most High. And that is through his accompanying grace that we will be able to persevere into this Mary steps into. Our invitation is much the same, church family, to face the uncertainties honestly, even with questioning Questioning the disruptions, the insecurities, the anxieties, the doubts that are here. And in doing so, as we wrestle to be awakened to the favor of God that we walk in as children of the King. To walk in the the peace, in the presence, in the grace of King Jesus because we are children. For many of us, we need to be reminded, as Mary did, of the words that the angel spoke. The Lord is with you. Do not be afraid. Some of you need to receive those words today. The Lord is with you. Do not be afraid. We need to wrestle with the uncertainties until we receive the comfort, until we receive the presence and the promise of Emmanuel, moving us like Mary from a posture of how can this be to a posture of let it be. It's our invitation to accept what is at hand and to walk until we receive that comfort and that security. But please understand, it's not easy. Please understand, I am not up here saying, just don't be afraid. Pull it together. Just don't be afraid. Oh, if it was that easy. There are layers of trust here. Mary has to surrender constantly, daily. What we are taught by Mary is that even after submitting, things don't always go well. Even after submitting, it doesn't mean that we have a pain-free, smooth, prosperous, and stable journey ahead. It just means that we don't go at it alone. Don't make the assumption that in this one event, Mary said before an angelic being, let it be, and submits everything, and then the rest of life is just good. No, it's not. The next 33 years, got to have anxiety for her. They have to have her questioning what's going on because the next 33 years of her life are intense. She is not given a place in a palace. She She does not become queen mother. She continues to be simply Mary. It's not a pain-free life that she lives. In fact, 
the confusion and the thoughts, did I, miss, did I miss something? Did I mess something up as she watches her son hang on a cross? I thought you were the one. Undoubtedly, she comes back to the words, do not be afraid, over and over again. And church family, as we journey, many of us need to do the same because the promise is that he is with us. So how do we get through all this? How do we tap into the comfort and the security that was availed to Mary and we know from scripture is ours as well? Let me close by sharing two ways that I think God might want to bring comfort and security your way this Christmas season. The first is to understand that this is an incredible annunciation, but Jesus makes another annunciation later in the Gospels. In John 14, he announces, yes, to Mary, she heard that God with us, God will become man in the person of Jesus. But then Jesus makes an announcement and he says, it is good that I am leaving because I am sending to you another, the counselor, another form of God with us, the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the comforter. And church family, we get to receive that. This is what it means for us to not be alone. The fact that we have Holy Spirit walking, bringing comfort into our difficult things, bringing discernment to us. Some of you are walking through such a time of despair that you don't even know how to ask or pray for comfort from Holy Spirit. Which is why Romans 8.26 is such a powerful verse. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Some of you are walking through stuff and you don't, you're just done. You don't even know how to pray. And what this is telling us is just take it before Holy Spirit and hear his groans as he walks in it with you. I bless you with the comfort of the Holy Spirit today. As Jennifer preached last week, into our barren deserts has been dispatched the Holy Spirit. Second, while I believe that the Holy Spirit is working and bringing comfort and security to many of us, I know that some in this room are struggling to see it. And I believe that for some of you, as you go on in this journey, there's actually promises and comforts and words that you need to hear that are too important for you to miss. And oftentimes, when something is that important, when something cannot fail, God sends his angelic presence and my prayer is that some of you will experience that, that you will have a visitation, that that word of assurance or comfort will be given to you in such a clear way that there is no way you can miss it. You see, we don't talk about the angelic realm all that much around here because it's kind of weird. It's kind of weird to talk about it. But throughout scripture, we see it. Second Kings, Elijah, the veil is taken off and he sees the chariots of fire out in the fields. We see Balaam, and the, he has eyes to suddenly see the angel that's there. We are told in Hebrews 1 that the angels are assigned to those who will inherit salvation to provide protection. Same thing in Psalm 91, 11. God assigns angels to protect us. Hebrews 13 tells us that we should show hospitality to everyone we come in contact to because we don't know when we are entertaining an angel. This week, I've been just doing something really weird. I've just been asking people, have you ever had an experience with an angel? Have you ever seen an angel? Have you had an encounter where you walked away and you're like, I wonder if that was an angel? 
The answers I've received, some of them have been powerful. Some of them are like, that's just a weird question. But throughout the years, the testimonies of God graciously sending his angelic visits to take away the dimness of our souls, to protect, to awaken us to where he is at work and bring comfort are many. And I think it is in this season of wonder and joy and the transcendent that it's a good time to share those stories. To ask people in your community, have you ever had one of those times where you walked away and you said, man, where did that person come from? Was that an angel? I had it happen to me once. I've actually never publicly told this story. In fact, I haven't even told my close friends this story. Only some family that was around right after the event happened. But it happened to me about 12 years ago. It was the lowest point of my life. I was in the Middle East, and I got on a plane to fly back to the U.S. because my dad had just been diagnosed with bile duct cancer. I had seen him five weeks earlier. He was a healthy man with no cancer diagnosis. Now he had been in a hospital for three weeks. He was on his deathbed. He had lost a lot of weight. I could barely recognize him. And I show up, jet-lagged. I take care of him for that first night. My mom comes in the next morning and says, can you do me a favor? I don't have the energy to go to Social Security and figure out how all that stuff works. I said, Mom, I got it. I went to the Social Security office there in, in New Jersey, and I walked in, and needing just to figure out, like, what, what are these steps that we need to take? And I remember I walked in, and it was packed. It was this little, like, this little office, and I grabbed my number, and I sat down between these two people, and I said, how long have you been here? I'm just curious. Hour and a half? Wow. Okay, how long have you been? Two hours. Wow. Okay, this is where I'm going to be for a little while. Went out of the back, walked a woman. She sat at the one empty desk there, and she called my number. I walked right up, and I sat down, and she was incredibly polite, and she said, what's going on? I told her, what's happening with my father? She said, I'm sorry. That is on our short list of just things that happen that we put you right into the system. There's not a lot of paperwork. You've probably Googled it. The chances of your father living another week or two are not very good. Yes, I'm very aware of that. She began to tell me what we would be able to benefit from the government as far as carrying out the funeral and what age my mom would have to be and how Social Security would work and told me about the paperwork that would need to be filled out years later when my mom would hit that age for my dad was only 58. And it was done. And I was blessed that I didn't have to spend an hour and a half in this office when she said, hey, before you go, what does your dad do for a living? Actually, he's a, he's a pastor. She said, yeah, I know. And you too are in the ministry, aren't you? I am. I just want you to know that the Lord has a mantle that he's getting prepared to put on you. And she starts to prophesy over me. Things about my father's kindness, about his gentle, authoritative leadership, about the way he handles this situation and this situation. And she says, those things are coming your way. Don't you miss it. She began to speak hope into me in a time where why Holy Spirit peace was present, that wasn't quite enough at that moment. God knew I needed someone with skin on in that moment. I started to weep. She started to cry. She said, can I pray for you? I received prayer in the Social Security office. <laughs> she says, it was really nice to meet you. She stood up. She went back. And I was left dumbfounded. I walked to my car and wept for about 20 minutes saying, did I just have an angelic visit? Church family, I don't know if I did or not. I'm going to say that I think I did. And many of you have had similar experiences. 
Do you have eyes to see them? Have you missed any of them? Just want to encourage us to share the stories of wonder and weirdness and beauty. In this Advent, to take a posture where our eyes are open to the wonder that is the comfort of Holy Spirit, to the protection in the words of assurance that an angelic being might need to give you. Can we embrace the wonder and the transcendent together in Jesus' name? Let's pray. Jesus, we declare that you are a good, good father. Your word gives us so many examples of Holy Spirit pouring out comfort, of angelic beings bringing protection. So we hold on to those truths for us. Lord, you're bringing stories to mind in people's lives, times where they even had that idea that they experienced an angelic visitation, but just their rational mind said no. Lord, would you even take them back to those places and allow them to see your care for them? Lord, for the many in this room that are experiencing the wonder and joy, but also are caught up in the chaos, in the disruption, in the uncertainties that life has been bringing them, Lord, I pray your peace, I pray your comfort, I pray that you would sustain them. We declare that your grace is sufficient. We know that your goodness never stops chasing after us. We hold on to the blessed assurance, and this morning we thank you for humbling yourself and coming to earth and taking the form of a man to be with us and for the gift of your Holy Spirit, another manifestation of God with us. So we bless your name today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Salem Alliance podcast. We hope you have been challenged and inspired. Salem Alliance is a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. To experience other messages and discover more about who we are, please visit salemalliance.org or download the Salem Alliance app. And again, thanks for listening.